Welcome to the Compass Catholic Changemaker podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Kano. On this podcast, we talk about how to live with our money as Catholics. Hi, everyone. In this week's episode, I'm speaking with Sam Fatsinger. Sam and her husband, Rob, just recently wrote a book called A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More, Advice from a Debt-Free Family of 16. Welcome to the podcast, Sam. Thank you, thank you. You have a lot of cool things coming up. Um, Before we jump into hearing about your personal story, I'm wondering if you wanna tell us about your book coming out. Yes, my husband and I are coming out with our first book with Ave Maria Press. It's called uh, A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More. Comes out this spring, so uh, the end of March, but you can pre-order now on Amazon or through Ave. So we're super excited. We've never done anything like this. So we uh, are hopefully it will be a good beginning to a new ministry for us. What a blessing. And so what was that like to work on that big of a project with your husband? (laughs) I have been getting a lot of, I'm the mouth. I'm the one who talks. I'm the one who loves people. He is hiding in the background. Um, living the pandemic life, enjoy not seeing people, not doing anything. And we kind of laughed because um, I was contacted uh, by Ave to do this project. And I really needed him, his, not only his support, but he has a lot of the logistical uh, statistics and things like that where I'm just, you know, the cheerleader. And when I asked him to do this, he was like, I don't know, is this really happening? So we started to do it, and I would write for an hour, and then he would spend about three hours editing what I wrote <laughs> so that it would say what it needed to say. And then we actually had our friend who's already written books would kind of check it over and you know, dot our I's and cross our T's, and then it would go to the editor who would then do her job. So it was a very interesting process, uh, very humbling. Uh, I tend to write like I talk, kind of diarrhea of the mouth and just kind of exciting and, uh, you know, vibrant and love to jump around and talk. So he would just kind of like, I know this is what you were trying to say, (laughs) gently try to (laughs) redirect it. So it was a great team effort, but I laugh because, you know, I'm getting all this credit. Sam wrote a book, Sam wrote a book where really I... He did most of the works. And then it was also during the pandemic. So it was an interesting dynamic with uh, being stuck at home and doing this together all day. With the kids jumping and screaming all around. (laughs) I love it. So the book is Spending Less and Living More and focusing on on getting your priorities aligned with your spending, but also not losing track of the fact that we're we're called to live in this world, um, not of the world, but called to live in this world. So I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners, you had mentioned the kids. Do you want to tell us about your personal story? Sure. So my husband and I have been married for 32 years. We got married when I was 21 and I got pregnant on my honeymoon. And so my oldest daughter now is turning 31 and it was just really exciting. We wanted to have children right away. Uh, I always wanted to be a mom. We kind of tease when we're having uh, marriage problems. I said, I always wanted to be a mom. 
I never said I always wanted to be a wife. <laughs> and I also, it was also really hard early in our marriage years because I did always want to be a mom. I've always worked with kids. I'm the youngest of nine. I have a, uh, I was always in education, um, studying and worked at a daycare center for six years. I was a nanny at age 12. So I've always been around kids and loved it, loved it, loved it. And so it was really hard in the beginning of our marriage. And I, I, when I talk, give talks on marriage, I, I emphasize that marriage is a sacrament. Parenting isn't. So I had, it took me a couple of years to get my priorities straight. My husband being first and my attention going to him and, you know, it was natural for me to cuddle and cuddle and take care of the babies. And we had um, baby after baby for, <laughs> and so it gets to the point and any young mom knows with lots of kids, like you come, you kind of get touched out and <laughs> he would come home from work. Yes. and like, don't touch me. Our second child, uh, I got pregnant with him when my first one was six months old and it was amazing and wonderful and those are the best years of my life having all those kids under underfoot really young but he you know he's colicky and I was holding him all day and he was crying so I always emphasize the importance of marriage first and then the kids so we actually have 14 children we have um, <laughs> I, I gave birth gave birth to 12 of them and then number 13 we took in as a um, short-term foster through a friend, um, through a ministry, and we just kind of took care of him until the mom got situated. Uh, five years later, we finally convinced we had him from 12 weeks old until the present. He just turned nine. We adopted mm -hmm. him when he was before he turned six. We finally convinced the birth mom to let us adopt him. So he has been, um, like I said, with us since he was 12 weeks old. We just celebrated his ninth birthday. And we have a four-and-a-half-year-old that we've had since he was born. That would be lucky number 14. He's not lucky enough to have our last name yet, but we are working on that. And uh, we have had him since he was days old. So he is now four-and-a-half and definitely part of our family. And we have eight grandchildren. <laughs> my favorite thing to talk about so our oldest is turning 31 and then the youngest would be four and a half wow i think you hold the record for our podcast guests i, I was gonna say i just got a text message five minutes ago from a friend uh, who just ex is expecting number 17 so it's a it's a wonderful wonderful thing <laughs> congratulations to her that's awesome and yeah. and yeah so your book being about spending less, living more, and having a large family. Do you want to tell me about that story and kind of how that came about? Because um, I think we often use our kids as an excuse, right? When we struggle with budgeting or struggle with anything financial, we write it off to having kids and that's the reason. And you have 14 and you have a, you've accomplished some crazy things. So do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so I've always been a stay-at-home mom. I've had some side gigs and, you know, but always been home with my kids, homeschooling them. And um, it has just been a priority of ours to, you know, a part, big part of us wanting to write this book and a big part of us kind of kind of going viral with this and sharing our story is because we want families to know that you can do it. 
And it's been an amazing ride. I, I have said in the past, you know, God told me when before we got married and when we decided to um, be open to life. And, you know, you, we did the Catholic engaged thing. You know, we did the NFP classes and all of that. And at one point, I went, went to a pro-life talk and the speaker was talking about the importance for uh, Catholics to be open to life. And NFP is a gift, a gift from the church. And it's a gift to women to know about their bodies and to help them um, in many, many ways, not to not just to get pregnant or to not get pregnant, but it, it helps you know what's happening in your body. So, and I think more and more, I know my daughters are learning that about their bodies, learning, you know, different signs. And so we had, we had, I had gone to this talk and this woman said, you know, one of the things that we as Catholic women need to realize is that, you know, some of us want to just be open to life. And even though that we have NFP and it's a gift and it's there specifically if we need it, uh, and I'm grateful that I've been healthy, but I just, I came home and I, I, I was pondering what this woman said. And in the meantime, my husband had been in adoration. We, we were engaged. He was in adoration and he said, you know, when I was in adoration today, I, I felt like God was saying, you know, you both want children. You both are healthy. Why are you? Um, why would you consider starting off doing NFP? And so I was like, that's funny you said that because I had this experience that this pro-life speaker said his plan for my life was what my plan was. And um, so he said to me, you know, trust, trust in me. I've got you covered. And I knew I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. And, um, and, and so when, I, when he said to trust, he didn't say, now in five years, someone's going to, offer you a free car and in 10 years you're going to get a really good deal on this house and in 15 years you're going to buy this huge foreclosure in your dream neighborhood in your dream town and on your dream street and you know and, and in this many years he just said trust 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 and so we have been along for the ride we have enjoyed all these hugs and 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 um gifts that god has given us through our family through our friends through people we don't even know Washington Post did an article on us four and a half years ago, and it was um, about uh, us living debt-free and about our kids going to college and, and living debt-free, uh, which isn't as easy. My first seven wasn't as easy for the ones that are in now because of the pandemic, and they're usually working two and three jobs. So, um, but our first kids, you know, so those Washington Post did this article, and it went viral. And I had just gotten our number, baby number 14. We had just gotten him out of the hospital. So I'd be up at three in the morning feeding him. And as this article went viral, uh, my husband said, whatever you do, don't read the comments. <laughs> this is the Washington Post. They're putting out this article about our family living debt-free and having all these kids. And whatever you do, don't read the comments. Well, when you're up at three in the morning, <laughs> I started scrolling and since it had gone viral in the Washington area, because um, one of the big deals about us living debt free was that we were in this metropolitan area where it's, you know, it's not cheap to live and everything. So it had about 1600 comments and maybe 20 of them were positive. 
all the others were just vicious. Like this family's sucking off society. They expect family and friends and their church to give them everything. And I'm like, no. <laughs> and we live in a wonderful town in Bowie. And I kept thinking, oh my goodness, these people should live in this town. I mean, our town is like bending over backwards, helping each other, you know, help, especially during the pandemic, checking on neighbors, you know, bringing food to people. It's been amazing. And so I'm sorry for people who don't live in a town like I do or go to a parish like I do, but God has always provided for us and we have always been so grateful. So part of the reason of doing this book was to let people know, you know, you can do this. If you want to be a stay-at-home mom, you can do this. If you want to, I mean, especially right now, the pandemic, you can, the, the, it's one of my favorite things about this pandemic to getting me through is knowing so many of my friends who were teachers or who were employees who just had babies, who've had an amazing year working from home, nursing their babies, doing Zoom calls. Mm -hmm. It's been a hug from God because so much bad has come out of this crazy time in this in our world with this pandemic. And I, I know a lot of people are struggling, struggling financially, which was another interesting thing. We were writing this book before we ever realized about the shutdown. So I have loved seeing the creativity that our world has been doing with jobs and with moms and dads and, and people working from home and homeschooling from home and digital learning. So it's been wonderful watching from afar as a homeschooling mom and as a stay-at-home mom to see my friends saying, wow, this Zoom, you know, even though it's been really hard for some kids, a lot of kids who really were struggling in school due to unforeseen reasons, bullying or anxiety or depression or uh, learning problems. Homeschooling from home has just been a game changer for them. <laughs> now, I do know a lot of kids like my own, my college kids and my high school kids who do some virtual learning. You know, it's been really hard for them not being around people. But um, I love to see how businesses have been creative and I think a really good thing coming out of this is that a lot more moms and dads can work from home and still raise their kids and save so much money on childcare and other things. So that was really a big thing is um, people would come to me and say, I would love to have another baby, but we can't afford it. I've been trying to do a lot more speaking engagements and talking with college students and these theology on tap events, talking to them about getting, staying out of debt and how to do college without being in debt because so many of my friends have been hindered in having more children because there's so much college debt. Mm. And I know a yeah. lot of young adults who want to join a religious order but can't until you have, you're debt free. A lot of uh, religious orders will not take you if you have debt. And a lot of 90% of the debt, most people choosing a religious order is college debt. So I'm kind of, you know, I started off talking to moms and to families and to couples. And now I'm trying to catch them before they build up this college debt. Yeah, that's, it's such an important topic. And it's not about, I mean, it, it's really great when debt is gone and it's paid off or you avoid it and you have financial freedom from debt. But the most important thing is you have freedom to say yes to what the Lord is calling you to do, whether that be have children, pursue a vocation, decide to be a stay-at-home mom, whatever you want to do. And 
debt can create shackles, right? And it can and can hold us back from being able to say yes to the Lord. So I'm wondering then, so knowing that that's something that's speaking to you uh, between college debt and you know helping people who want to pursue vocations, um, what other aspects of financial independence and living debt free are important to you? Do you have you seen it work in other ways besides just being able to say yes to, which is the most important thing, but it has been other benefits as well. Yes. Well, yes. And I've shared this story before, but I, my husband paid off our house 12 years ago and that's a huge accomplishment. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. I was, I had my 13th child at the time. And so initially I was like, Oh my, you know, he hands me this piece of paper. I have no idea what it is. I'm staring at it. I'm like trying to figure out what this is. Did we win, win a trip around the world or something? And I'm looking at this and he looks at me, he goes, I paid off our house. And I was like, Oh my goodness. Because as the youngest of nine, I remember what a huge deal that was when my parents did that. And I had been, you know, older, much older when they did that. And it was almost like kill the fatted calf. You know, we paid off our house. And so when he said that, I was in shock. And then it, the funny thing was, uh, my second thought was, you mean, I've been using cloth diapers and buying <laughs> pieces of cuts of meat and, you know, day old everything to just try to make, think, make, make ends do. So I was like, I do it all over again. You know, what he accomplished. And I'm so grateful for that. So I know that everybody doesn't have a mastermind husband in and he is, he has a, a background in, in banking and now, you know, works from home as a software tester, but just the, um, the teamwork that we had. And so that when he, we owned our, we opened our own business, um, when I was pregnant with my second child and it was a Christian bookstore, makes no money. And we lived, you know, on two paychecks pretty much a year at first communion and at Christmas. <laughs> and we, we learned how to, you know, it was a wonderful ministry and it was a wonderful uh, opportunity to, we were working with the best people in the world, you know, our clientele and our, we met some amazing friends. It was really good. But having your own business, again, you learn to live on, you know, ends and pieces and cloth diapers and stuff. Mm -hmm. So when he, we finally closed that business after 10 years, I think one of the game changing things that we did was we still lived like we had always lived very simply. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't like, oh, you actually make money now. Let's start, you know, buying fancy cars and going on fancy vacations. We just kept doing what we did. The big, um, the, <laughs> the big thrill was like my older kids say, mom bought paper towels <laughs> or mom bought <laughs> pizza instead of, instead of making it from scratch. My kids were like, oh, real pizza, you know, and um, uh, we buy ice cream, you know, big treats like that. My kids would say that was a big thrill. Like they knew we were rich because we had paper towels in the house. <laughs> but these kinds of things like living simply, as, as I say to people who um, are working and they haven't started their family yet and you have a double income couple, I, my advice to them is to live on that one income and mm -hmm. put away you know, put away, if the wife wants to be a stay-at-home mom, you put away your income. I mean, that's a, that's a no-brainer. You just put it away, pretend you're not even getting it. And then when you do have kids and, you know, three years, five years, whatever, then you've learned to live simply and you have that nest egg to, um, you know, to help out with being a stay-at-home parent.
So that was, you know, a big deal with he, he um, paid off our house. The other ways that we have lived simply, it, it's helped us because we've always wanted to be more generous and tithe more than we had. And so we got, when we were making more money, we were tithing more. We were able to help out a lot of people like we were helped out. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite, one of my favorite things to do now is to find a mom with seven kids under eight. <laughs> and uh, when I'm at the grocery store, pick up something for them and, you know, uh, drop things off. Like we had this little old lady who is like it was like a grandmother to our kids who's now um, in heaven. She would always pick up stuff for me. And and my kids would even say, um, you know, mom, we need milk. And, I, and it would be Monday. We always needed milk on Monday because our grocery store always had sales on Tuesday for milk. Mm -hmm. So every Tuesday I would pull up my big red, my big red Suburban. And <laughs> we would go to Daily Mass. And we would pull up the big red suburban and I'd open the door and my two oldest kids uh, were 10 and nine. They'd hop out with the $10 bill. One would get the cart and the other would get five gallons of milk. And it was funny because me and the babies would be in the car and we could look, watch them in the store through the big window. And we could see the, uh, you know, the clerks knew us, the, the, the bread lady knew us at the counter, the cookie lady knew us, the cashier all knew us. And they would watch the kids and they would wait for us every Tuesday morning. And I would see uh, other customers looking at these two kids by themselves with this grocery cart. And you could see the cashier pointing to the van and saying, and you could see her saying, she's got all these kids. And every Tuesday they come and get this milk. <laughs> and very rare, very often my uh one of my older kids would say it's okay mom because i know mrs aberg is going to bring us some milk because she always knows when we run out and nine times out of ten the door would knock and mrs aberg was there with a gallon of milk and some cookies from the grocery store and a meatloaf or whatever and so i enjoy now that we have a little bit more money and I'm not always pregnant and nursing that picking up stuff and dropping it off to all these wonderful young moms in our town. We are very blessed at our parish. We have tons of big families. I love it. Love it. Love it. I, uh, I laugh because a, a couple months ago, a, a couple at our church came up to me and said, Sam, what did you do? And I thought, Oh shoot, I'm always doing something wrong. And I said, what, what did I do? And she said, the lady said, when we first joined this parish, you were the only one with a 15 passenger van. Now look at this. There's like seven of them in our parking lot. And I love it. So our, our parish is blooming, is blooming with life. And now I get to pay back and help all these young moms. I love being at daily mass and helping them with a crying baby or, you know, if they need something i love a couple of them do what i tell people to do is ask for help and i'll get a text message saying hey do you know uh anywhere i could get a size seven pair of sneakers and it's my joy and my pleasure to pick up next time i'm at the thrift store a pair of two dollar girl sneakers and drop them off because that's what people did for me my kids would always say um mom, I need, you know, new church shoes. And I'd say, tell your guardian angel. And within a week, there would be a little pair of black size 
eight patent leathers on my front porch by the grace of God. And it was so wonderful for my kids to see that, to see the miracles of being open to life, to see the miracles of the generosity of the people in our, in our life and uh, the secret Santas in their life. We would, we would always be so blessed. And, you know, another thing I laughed about in the church nursery, a man came up to me and he said, your kids are amazing and, and they're all clean and they all look so nice every Sunday at church. And I kind of looked at them weird, like, what were you expecting? <laughs> and he said, it's such, I, it, I, he said, he said, I know it sounds weird, but if, if I would have told somebody that this family has, you know, 10 kids under 13 or whatever, I bet that they would think you'd all be like in ripped up hand-me-downs. And he goes, you have really taught me a lesson <laughs> that it's, it, you know, you don't have to have lots of money to look nice for church on Sunday. and You don't have to have lots of money for your kids to be able to, you know, be able to have a bike or participate in the neighborhood sports teams or everything like that. So I was glad that um, we weren't what people, you know, <laughs> what people thought. So it's so nice that we um, have been able to be a, a, a a beacon and help people realize that you can have lots of kids on one income. You can live debt free on one income. You can pay off your house on one income. So whatever we can do to help spread the good news, we're happy to do it. I love that. And I love that your financial discipline and you being careful not to take on debt allowed you to evangelize to that gentleman who thought that it wasn't possible to have a big family and still show up to church and still be, you know, radiating joy. So I'm so glad you said joy because I think the best thing mom can do, the best, the biggest pro-life message you can do is to smile and show joy. Now, trust mm -hmm. me, I am a yeller. I am a grouch. I, you know, my kids will tell you, but if you can show joy, you have no idea what, a positive message that is to our faith. I tell our kids all the time, we're going in public, we're Catholic, we're homeschoolers, you have, people are watching us, I want mm -hmm. you to behave yourselves, I want you to be kind. We had a joke that um, at, at, after daily mass, people would come up to us and be like, oh, your kids are so well behaved, and the, or they would tell the kids, oh, your mother is so nice, and, and I say, I won't tell if you won't tell. <laughs> and we would shut the band door and the windows would be up. And I said, okay, you can be yourselves again. And yeah, she's touching me. She's in my seat. She's, you know, mom, he's being bad. Mommy's kicking me. So now we can be ourselves. But it's, it's not, not that we're lying, but it's important for people to see that you can behave in public and I will try to be nicer and you can try to behave better. But yes, joy is so important. So I'm glad you brought that up. I love that. Yeah. And you really, you can't show joy unless you have it, right? So it's, it's there. You're just leading with it. I feel like that goes back to the gospel. We, we present ourselves in a way we're, we're not necessarily, you know, beating our drums, but we're just radiating joy and letting that joy do the evangelization for us. And so with all those kids, I have four, I say the word no hundreds of times a day. I can't even tell you how many, I've never kept track. I can't, even imagine starting to keep that count number. How do you handle that with your 14? Is that, do you have a proactive conversation? Is that just, do you have another word besides no? And how can parents 
say that no and mean it while still teaching that child joy when it comes to their finances and, and what we've been blessed with. Well, I can tell right now that you're a great mom. It's very hard. And, and, and I'm old. I'm 52 and it is getting harder. My younger four are boys and I am worn out. They are killing me, man. It is so hard to stick to my guns. My husband and I are like, oh my goodness, this is so much harder than when we had all these kids when we were young and we could handle it. So saying no is tough. And I've got college kids in my house. I've got teenagers in my house. I've got this four and a half year old who's just running circles around me. And saying no is hard. And my husband and I, since the beginning of raising our kids, we always followed Dr. Ray Garundi. So I would suggest people to look him up. He's probably on YouTube. He's on EWTN. He's got a TV show. He's got a Catholic radio show. He's a psychologist, but he's also a comedian. And he says something so important. He says, I can tell you 10 ways to raise your kids and how to say no and how to get them to behave, but I can't give you the strength and the gumption and the energy to follow through. Mm -hmm. So a big line, a big line these days is no means no. Under lots of different circumstances, it's used. If you can't say no, say, let me think about it. Let me talk to your father or vice versa. Today, we had our 17-year-old ask a question, and I said no right away, and she was shocked. So I said, go ask your father. <laughs> and he said, we'll talk to your mom. So sometimes you just need to have get away, think about it. With those little guys, you gotta say no. And, and you're just, I will tell you one thing about my children. I never realized what, I'm not good at a lot of things. I'm not a very good homemaker. <laughs> I have a messy house. I'm not a very good cook. But I raise the most amazing spouses. My, it, that is quite a gift that I never knew would yeah. be important. I have, um, <laughs> and you can say that because you're married. I have uh, two daughter-in-laws and two son-in-laws. And they are very grateful to me for raising such wonderful spouses because they don't expect that. They are very grateful because they didn't have everything served to them with a silver platter. We didn't ever go on fancy vacations. We didn't eat out. We didn't go to fast food. We didn't buy new clothes. We didn't buy new toys. We didn't um, do all these fancy trips and things. So, <laughs> so they don't expect much. They are thrilled when their house is clean because they can't say, you don't clean your house as good as my mom. They are thrilled with a trip to the beach because they never grew up going, well, we went to this fancy island or we went to Disney every mm -hmm. year. So I have raised wonderful children. They, uh, my oldest owns four houses. She rents them out. She, I'm just the, what I am getting to see the fruit of all the labor, mm. labor, meaning labor and <laughs> labor, meaning the work I did to say no, the work I did, the strength I had to have when we were coming home from a hot, sweaty soccer game and 
we are hungry and we're thirsty and we're driving by McDonald's and Burger King and Wendy's and we would I would love more than nothing more than anything to pull in and grab some fries or grab some drinks but I said no and we would have snacks and water bottles in the car or we would pack lunches for picnics or we'd go home and eat and that has served us so well not only are we healthy <laughs> but we I, we always laugh and say if we had money we would be overweight and we would be not healthy because if we had the money I would have pulled in that fast food drive through quicker than I could speak and so we never came to the we ate at home every night on special occasions um maybe we would get food out but really I I think our kids were old before they ever saw a pizza person come to our door and that was when we had a baby and someone's had pizza delivered and i'm I, I i'm telling you they have become these amazing adults because they appreciate everything and i have and i there's a fine line um at a certain age when kids i always say like my 15 year olds are rich because they don't have a car and they my 15 year olds buy their car and by 16 when they learn to drive and they are out Oh, we're going to run to Target. Oh, we're going to run to McDonald's. Oh, their friends are uh, two or three times a day. Their friends are all going out to eat. And right now during the pandemic, I can't, poor kids, they have nothing else to do. But uh, oh, yeah. my daughter says, Mom, I just go. I bring my own food or I get I get a cup of water and I sit there. And they're la they're, she laughs because they laugh. This particular daughter laughs because they'll order all this food and then they go to throw it away. She's like, are you kidding me? You have like half a value five meal right there. And they'll be like, you want it? And she's like, of course, I'll eat it. You know, uh, anytime they're at a, an event and people are like, oh, we have all this extra food. Does anybody want it? I have half of my kids have the nerve to say, yeah, I'll take it home. My brothers and sisters <laughs> love that. Or the other half are too shy. But it, you've got, which brings me to one of my, my advice I give everybody, I always say, if you want my advice, remember my name, Sam. S means save, A means ask for help, and M means make do. Make do with what you have. Make do with those pairs of shoes that you have. They'll, those shoes will last you till Christmas. Or ask for help, like uh, as a mom, I always ask for help, uh, especially with carpooling. I was always pregnant and to run my kids all over town for soccer games or for field trips. I had to learn to humble myself and to be, put myself out there. And my, my friends and neighbors will attest, we have uh, about 30 kids in our neighborhood that do our parish activities. And when it comes to CCD or youth group, nothing makes me more upset than when four, or five, four vans pull up from my neighborhood. So they all left me I'm like if you're driving then come and grab my kids <laughs> or I'll grab your kids you know let's do this and of course it's so much better for the environment and we can help take uh help by helping each other out and saving less pollution and less gas money but really to, to make do with uh what you have is so important um instead of going out and buying more and, and using, you know, I, I try to tell people that all the time. And of course, saving. If you want to mm -hmm. buy a new car, learn to save for it. If you want to go to college, save for it. And I'll tell you one thing. 
my kids will not miss a class. They will, they, they, they will, they all go to, they all do extra credit. They all go to any extra study hall. You know, of course, right now some, it's all crazy with the pandemic, but they go to any extra thing that professor offers. They go to tutoring, not because they're smart and they're brilliant or they're failing, because they paid for that class and there's no way they're going to take it again because they have to pay for it again. And all of my kids, not only do the tutors remember them and appreciate them, two or three times I can tell you, uh, as a fact in our family, because my kids contacted the tutors and said, hey, I'm getting a 78 in your class. Is there extra credit? Can I go to special study sessions? What can you, how can you advise me to get my grade up? <clears throat> Before my husband and I even had kids, my husband said, our kids will pay for their own college. And that was not, had nothing to do with money. He went to four years of school. His parents paid for everything. They sent him money every week. And he did not take advantage of that college, <laughs> that college experience. And he did not learn a lot. And he missed classes all the time. And he, he wasn't very um, <laughs> prudent about his activities. And I paid for my own school because I'm the youngest of nine. He's the oldest of three. I paid for the community college. I got a scholarship mm -hmm. for the um, state college down the street for me. I never missed a class. I had to go to tutoring. My husband is brilliant and um, grades were always came, studying came easy to him. He could remember everything. I struggled in everything um, to get a C. To, was it, it was my um, child care classes. I was getting all A's in those, but I struggled in all the regular, you know, reading, writing, math, science. To get a C took everything out of me. And so I would go to every study hall and everything. And um, like I said, I never missed a class. And I, it's because I had to pay for it. Time and money. We yeah. don't have either. <laughs> Time and yeah. money. And I'm wondering if you can share with yeah. us, it sounds like you really stuck to it, right? Like you had some financial values that you and your husband agreed on and you stuck to it and you used discipline and these different tactics to you know, stick to this plan. What did you do when it got difficult? Was there, were there days where it was really difficult or, or how did you guys approach it on those rough days? Um, yes, <laughs> rough days are when you had to decide between going to the dentist or having a vacation. <laughs> Rough days were when the kids, the kids are like, oh, we're having this again for dinner. Uh, rough days are when all your friends are getting new cars or going on fancy vacations and you're doing a staycation. And um, rough days are when you do want to order out that food um, and, you know, you're pregnant you're tired you you can't don't even want to cook and you'd love to just call the number but those are the days that our catholic faith comes in strong and mm -hmm. i am so grateful for our church i'm so grateful for learning to offer it up i'm so grateful for learning to suffer i can't tell you um how much grace and how much fruit has come from us offering up 
are situations for um, people who are sick or people who are, are, are other things, you know, offering things up for the unborn. God has really showed us a lot of amazing fruits from um, our prayers and sacrifices for that. Um, two of them are living in my house right now. <laughs> you know, God has really given us, um, we, you know, we, we were prayed so long for different intentions and I had, I've had three miscarriages and um, the last two were really heart wrenching because we all actually wanted another baby and the older kids really wanted another baby. And so um, because we were financially stable, we could take in these children who needed a place to stay. And we have been able to help other people and we, we've been able to um, have um, do programs where we can help children in, in different countries where we send a monthly thing. And that's all because of my husband's uh, keeping us on a good financial schedule, a good financial budget, uh, and, and to think that we wouldn't be able to help these people. And, you know, we had, uh, we, we sponsor a child named Juan, uh, Juan, and we get letters from him and he addresses us as, addresses me as his godmother. I love it. It's just so sweet. He's like, thank you, godmother for this. And thank, you know, he shares the story. And I to think that we wouldn't have these things if we were in financial difficulties. And, we have enough trouble uh, in our marriage. We've been married 32 years, and I hate to say this to all you young couples, but it does not get easier. <laughs> it is tough. Marriage is hard, and we are our Catholic church and couples in our church are under attack, and we still bump heads about the silliest things. We look at each other sometimes and go, really? 32 years, and we're still getting an argument about this? But thank God that our finances are straight because finances are one of the biggest causes for divorce. And I can't imagine if we had that on top of all of our other stupid fights and, and crazy uh, discussions and disagreements. I mean, it is a, marriage is really hard. And I, my advice to anyone who's married is stay on your knees and, and don't get off. Keep praying. Don't ever think you've, don't ever think your marriage is great. Don't ever think your kids don't need it. I have got to get on my knees every day. And I, I send the guardian angel. I do guardian angel prayer every day for my children. We only have six living at home right now. I have I pray more for my kids who aren't living at home now than I did when they were here. Uh, so I am just, parenting never goes away. Mothering never goes away. Uh, I'm, now I'm praying for these eight grandchildren. And it, it, it's just stay on your knees and pray. And God will just give you. A, um, there was an interesting time. John Paul, um, it was almost 20 years ago. He called for a year of graces. And, and where they shut the whole door. And he told pray for pray God for everything. Ask God, like the loving father that he is, to give you whatever's on your heart. Don't stop. Don't ever, and St. Therese, the little flower, says the same thing. Don't ever underestimate the power of God. If you want his will, ask for a new car. If you want his will, I, I that year, I'll never forget, I asked for all sorts of things. We need a huge dining room table, Lord. We need a new van, Lord. We need this. I 
in, in the Pope at that time, John Paul and, and little flower says it all the time, beg for graces. So many people in our world are not begging for the graces. God and our lady are showering them down and no one's taking them. Little flower, little St. Therese says, take theirs. They're not using them. You <laughs> just picture your neighborhood with a hundred UPS packages on their porch. So the people who took them in are taking in the graces. The people who still have packages on top of packages don't realize the graces are there. So go take theirs and just ask God, give you their graces. And there are so many gifts our church gives us. And through suffering, through offering up, God is going to help you. And, and you really, on so many days, I just want to stop by Starbucks and get that chai tea latte. And I just say I can't. That $5 is going to go to buying my grandchildren more presents. <laughs> that $5 is going to go to, you know, getting that beach trip, whatever. And again, when you have lots of kids, I mean, when to take our kids, our family out to dinner, it's, you know, you got to put a second mortgage on your house. It's ridiculous. So if you want to take kids out, if you want to go to Disney, if you want to go to the beach, start putting money away make it make a goal it's like it's kind of fun you can kind of say okay kids we want to get that new uh whatever tv or that new car you want to go to great wolf lodge okay here's a jar when this jar's got three hundred dollars in it we will make that trip or whatever it is so you're teaching your kids to be diligent you're teaching them to think twice before popping in McDonald's or running to the dollar store or whatever. Even the little kids, we do it in the, we do it at the pool in the summer. You know, that snack bar is so enticing. But mom, it's only a dollar. And I was like, okay, there's 37 days at the pool and that's $37. You can buy that silly pair of sneakers you really wanted or you can buy that silly video game you really wanted or you can put that money towards that stupid cell phone you want. So they start thinking and you're always, you're doing them a disadvantage by saying yes, 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 or here, 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 here's more, here's more, here's more, take a dollar, take a dollar, take a dollar. Oh, I love it. So the book again is called? A Catholic Guide to Spending Less and Living More by Ave Maria Press. If anyone has any questions, contact me. I'm on Facebook. Under Sam Lancaster Fatzinger, I'm on Instagram under Sam JMJ. I have a blog called Baby Steps that I will be done. And my husband's got a blog that he used to blog on. We used to blog before we had these wonderful two additions in our family. Oh, God bless you. Well, thank you so much. And this is a joy. And we're going to put all those links to um, not only the blogs, but also how to pre-order in our podcast notes. So go to the notes and get that information out and we'll go ahead and pre-order that book. But what a fun conversation today. I'm excited for, for you and hearing about the yeah. successes of your book and, and everything else. But thank you for being here. All right. God bless. Thanks again. Thank you for listening to this week's Changemaker podcast. And a thank you to Sam Fatzinger for the interview. If you haven't yet, I invite you to subscribe to this podcast or leave a rating or review. You can also recommend it to your friends and family. I invite you also to go to compasscatholic.org. It's an amazing website with lots of great resources. And you can also find out about our Bible study, Faith and Money Matters. It's one that you can take individually, in a small group, or at your parish. Have a wonderful week. God bless.